Welcome, everyone, to the Farm CPA podcast presented by Top Producer. I'm Paul Niefer, your host, and today I'm welcoming Tyne Morgan from, oh, how do I want to say this, from U.S. Farm Report, or how, how should I say this, Tyne? Yeah, Farm Journal, U.S. Farm Report. I mean, you just name it, Paul, and I'll go with it. It doesn't have to be right. I know, I know. Well, you know, it's... Uh, because uh, you were you were originally sort of Ag Day and then U.S. Farm Report or right. uh, yeah, well, so. Right. I got which, hired on as national reporter for Ag Day and U.S. Farm Report. And Paul, as of the end of January 2022, that marks my 10 year anniversary. Can you believe it? Well, and that's today. Today is January 31st. 10 so, years. I know you were like 14 when you started, weren't you? I- Oh my gosh, Paul, do you know how much has changed in that 10 years? Oh, and mainly yeah. appearance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and then also uh, technology. I mean, uh, I think right now, weren't you in the process of uploading something over the internet? And uh, 10 years ago, that would have taken about 15 days to happen. Now it might take 15 minutes. Oh my gosh. I mean, even the fact that I was able to move back home to Missouri was only due to the fact that that technology made, makes that possible. I mean, it's amazing how much has changed, how much hasn't changed, yet how much has changed. So much has happened in 10 years. I mean, think about 2012. I started January 2012 on the cusp of drought, right? We didn't know the drought of 2012 was coming. 2011, we'd had drought in, in Texas. But talk about a year where things, I mean, farmers just mentally, physically battling through that drought and then commodity prices um, that were that were a product of that. Just unbelievable how much has changed in a decade. Yeah. And then, uh, but also, you know, back then when you started, prices were pretty high and then prices became fairly low. And then now prices are back to being fairly high for most of the commodities other than maybe over in the livestock sector a little bit. It's almost like I was a young beginning farmer. You know, you come in at a time where you think, wow, this is the norm. $8 corn, $16 soybeans, like this is this is awesome. And then you realize, ah, nope, not the norm, and really have to put pencil to paper and just the stories, you know, the, what we were doing in the drought. You're still talking to, to farmers about, um, you know, mentally battling things, right? The drought was just awful. It's, it's nice if you have commodity prices that are strong, but only if you have a crop to capture that. And yeah. so, you know, we then, after when commodity prices tanked and we saw, you know, we were talking $2 corn at, at one point during the pandemic, you know, Uh, just how that storyline changed. And and at the end of the day, you're just trying to find the information that's going to help farmers do what they do best. And that's uh, be be business people. Now, it's interesting, you know, the Midwest's definition of a drought and our definition out here in the Pacific Northwest are only slightly different in that last summer we went through a drought. So from February 15th through August 15th, we had a maybe a quarter inch of rain. So uh, uh, the, to me, that's more of a drought well, than the Midwest. Right. And I did just talk to a farmer in Texas. You know, he hasn't had rain since he since he planted his wheat crop this year, Paul. Not, yep. a, not a drop. And he yep. says now if they can get some of this moisture out of this winter storm this week, maybe maybe the crop will survive. But if they don't, I mean, they're in serious trouble. And you think down there, I mean, they're used to dry conditions, too. But around here, even we're not talking a lot about drought, Paul. But I talk to a lot of farmers that are saying, listen, these some of our ponds, some of our, 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 our you know, some of these little areas that we should have water in, yep. in this water hole has it, it's dry. I mean, and yep. we're not really talking about it, but yep. things are 
pretty dry right now, in, in, at least in, in Missouri, and I was in Kansas last week. Yeah, although I think you're supposed to get a pretty good-sized winter storm coming through there in the next day or so, aren't you, next couple oh of days? Oh, my gosh. Paul, if a foot of snow happens, oh, I mean, I lived in South Bend, Indiana for a while, and it was like, oh, it snowed, no big deal, state of emergency, no big deal, you still got to go in, like, because of, of ice or whatever, but this is a heavy sto- snow system that um, – Things are probably going to shut down here in Kansas City if it actually comes true. <laughs> I remember back when I was in college, my brother and I, um, Seattle, I went to school at University of Washington, Seattle, and they had a, you know, maybe almost a foot of snow drop down uh, over the weekend. And I remember my brother and I, we drove on I-5, 405 for like 35 miles and saw one car. I mean, uh, oh, that's the, that's, that's how, when you know how, you shouldn't be out. But actually, Paul, yeah. that's the safest time to be out because it's usually other drivers that I worry about. More than my yeah, husband. And my husband, I grew up James driving on snow. So, well, my husband James will tell you otherwise. Like, I need to watch out for myself. He'll say I'm the dangerous one, but <laughs> Paul, that's not true. It's not yeah. true. Well, you know, we've already started a, an interesting conversation, but we probably should uh, sort of swing back to uh, getting started on going over your uh, career. So let's let's start with uh, how did Tyne get started. Well, I actually started in radio at 16. So um, I was big into FFA. My dad was an ag teacher, an FFA advisor, not mine. That's how we both survived my teenage years. I feel like I should point <laughs> that out. Um, but I had I had prepared a speech on the future of agriculture. And it just so happened the local radio station actually was doing interviews that week for FFA week and asked a question about the future of agriculture. And Paul, you know, brevity's not my strong suit. It's never been my strong suit. And they asked that question. And I just, you know, it was like this balloon waiting to burst full of information. And that's what happened. And afterwards, I I gave my speech that night. My dad came up to me and my ag teacher and said, hey, listen, the local radio station wants to offer you an internship. And Paul, you know, when you hear internship at the age of 16, you know, you think filling coffee, doing stuff like that, but oh no, it was the days where you got your commodity prices just from DTN. You know, we had flip phones. I am that old. Okay. So I did have phones in, in high school, but it wasn't the kind that smartphones we have today. So I learned on a DTN, you know, an M was June and N was July and Z was December. I had to learn all of that. I didn't have a clue what I was reading. But I gave the commodity markets three day crash course. I felt like I was, you know, cramming for an exam. And after that three days, started doing the farm markets and did that for four years. Uh, Went to local county fairs, went to the state fair, did coverage. Um, I even did some sports coverage. They tried to talk me into being a color commentator. I didn't even want to go that route. I just I loved ag. So majored in agricultural journalism at the University of Missouri, went the broadcast route so I didn't have to write for the local paper um, and, and did TV. And I loved it. But my senior year did a story on the positive impacts of confined animal feeding operations. This was in 2008. Paul, that wasn't well received. I can tell you that. <laughs> 2007, 2008. Yep. So um, Sierra Club wrote an article about me in the Columbia, Missourian, And I just remember thinking to myself, I was, you know, this article was attacking me along with the person, one of the individuals I had interviewed, which was Chris Chin, who's now the director of Ag for Missouri. And I just remember think, I, I, my roommates called me and said, hey, Tyne, just so you know, there's an article about you in the Columbia, Missourian. It's not great. Um, just want to warn you. And I got home. And I, I mean, I just remember crying. And, and Paul, at the time, I'm 21 years old. I think, you know, that was the kiss of death for my career is what's going through my mind. I'm going to fail my college course because of this story and, and people writing this about me. I mean, I was just at such a different, a different place. But, you know, I truly believe that no matter what the situation is, you learn something. And yep. I really learned that in this business, you have to have thick skin. 
I also learned that I'm too passionate about agriculture to report for a local TV station. So I got out of TV, worked for a major agribusiness company for about five years, met my husband through a farmer, moved to Texas in the middle of a drought in 2011, where the pivots couldn't even make it a full circle without the corn dying. I literally thought I was going through hell. I mean, Paul, my suggestion is if you're dating someone and it is a distance relationship, you should probably live at least in the same state. Okay. <laughs> we live yep. multiple states away. So, you know, we didn't even really actually, we dated for a, a year, we're engaged for a year, but still the most we'd spin around each other was a week at a time. Um, I mean, I think I'm easy to live with, but apparently not. So anyway, uh, you know, that we, he got relocated up to, to Northern Indiana, Southern Michigan, just so happens that the individual he replaced his wife handled distribution for Farm Journal, still works for Farm Journal to this day. And I got a call out of the blue. I loved my job with the agribusiness company, thought I was going to stay doing that just remotely from um, northern Indiana, southern Michigan. Got a call, asked me to be national reporter. I about fell out of my car, honestly, when they called because it was <laughs> did not expect that phone call. Uh, but started, had a couple days in the office. The third day I went to top producer seminar, met you along with some other really great people. And, uh, you know, it was a challenge the first couple of weeks because it's almost like a bicycle. I hadn't been in journalism for five years. I'd gone out into PR. And the question is, when you get into PR, can you go back into journalism? But I think, Paul, as you know, like you found your calling in life. It's obvious what you do, you're really good at, you love, and people respect you because you bring so your wealth of knowledge, right? Yep, yep. And to me, being a journalist and an ag journalist and being on TV, I mean, it, it was, it was, I mean, I've, I really think this is what I was, I was meant to do. It's not that the job is easy, but it's not like I wake up every day and thinking, oh my gosh, this is so hard, you know, and I'm exhausted when I get home because it's so hard. Don't get me wrong, 20 hours on the road, that's not fun yeah. sometimes. No. But interviewing farmers, getting the stories, packaging news, I mean, it just becomes second nature to me. And I love it. I love talking to farmers and ranchers. I love discovering information. I love interviewing leaders. And so I was national reporter for about two and a half years. Um, John Phipps decided to semi-retire. That plan was about a year in the works. He was adamant that I take over as host of U.S. Farm Report. Uh, the leadership team at Farm Journal, I'm forever grateful. They agreed. And so that transition was about a year. Well, a few months into that, found out that my husband and I were expecting our first child. I automatically thought, Paul, like this, okay, this plan, there's no way they're going to think that me as a female, new mom, could take over U.S. Farm Report. Um, but, you know, I remember telling my boss that I was expecting and he, he, you know, just smiled and said, that's, that's amazing. And yeah. we'll, we'll make this work. So yeah. I got back from maternity leave after my first child, Paul, and, um, took over U.S. Farm Report that week. Now, U.S. Farm Report would be probably what I call more of an in, in, in studio report, whereas Ag Day National Reporter as a national reporter, you were probably on the road a whole lot more than you are with U.S. Farm Report, or yeah. do I have that wrong? Well, you would think that. And actually, that was the appealing part of taking over. You know, not only hosting a show and having a show that you work with with other team members on, but part of it was less travel. Um, that hasn't really happened. Travel is, <laughs> uh, for example, starting um, Labor Day this past year through the second week of December, I was gone every week, sometimes multiple locations a week, uh, but gone every week. And now I have two little girls. So I think the travel is the hardest part. It's not, you know how it is. Traveling yeah. is a blast. I mean, if I never traveled, I don't think, I mean, I think I would be miserable because getting out and seeing people and interviewing people and talking to people, even with technology, 
face to face, you cannot replace that. You yeah. cannot replace that. But traveling every week, it was a challenge. And I think this fall, Paul, I mean, I, I waited through definite, definite burnout. I mean, you know, going to these college road shows, I was riding a whole show. I would get up. Sometimes if I would take the 5 a.m. flight, you know, you wake, you know how it is. You're waking up two, leaving the house at three, and yeah. I'm still writing packages until midnight or 1 a.m. It's not, it's not fun doing that. Did it have to be done? Yeah, it had to be done, and it got done. But I definitely faced burnout. But, um, you know, now thing travels, a, I mean, it's still every week right now, but it's, it's, it's getting a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've actually, I would say since the middle of May of last year, uh, it's been very rare if I've been home a week at a time. You know, it's it's uh, like last week I was in Arizona the week before. Well, actually, January 3rd, I started on a 21-day trip. I was home for two days and then gone 21 for three days. days? Oh. Yeah, well, now part of that was with the grandkids in, in Arizona. So don't, don't oh, feel too what... sorry for me. So Yeah, uh, I don't uh, feel sorry for yeah, you. Yeah, there's, right? the, there's a few days of uh, being with the grandkids. So that, so that part was good. But uh, it does... And, and of course, I'm a, a little bit different than you. My kids are gone. Uh, you know, the, the youngest I have is 28, and he's actually down, I think, in uh, Columbia right now, and uh, and he'll be coming home in a couple of weeks. So I, I don't mind the travel, although I think I was telling you offline, I got stuck at the Phoenix airport for about eight yes. hours Friday night and didn't get home till Saturday afternoon. So and, Well, and, you know, I think because I've always traveled, the girls are used to it. So my husband started traveling recently for his job. He switched, he changed, different role. You know, and it, it's his turn to travel. Like, he should be able to. So he is a lot more. So we're having to coordinate. And the first time he was gone for a couple, like, like three days or four days, my oldest had alligator tears, carrying her dad's <laughs> picture around, upset. And I am going, what is wrong with, like, what is the matter? Why? I mean, literal alligator tears. Whereas I'm gone, and it's like, oh, yeah, mom's gone. Like, it just, yeah. because, they, I, you know, I've been traveling since they were born. Now, last week, I did, when traveling, no, the week before last, um, well, I was on a call for five minutes, and I had 19 missed FaceTimes from my five, or my six-year-old's iPad, uh, because she got in trouble with her dad, and she was asking when I was going to come home. See, that's when they need me now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's just like in our family with the four boys, they knew exactly who to ask. You know, mom would allow them <laughs> yeah. to do certain things. Dad would allow them to do certain <laughs> things. And, and of course, I, I, I figured that out fairly quickly. I would say, well, what does your mom say? If there's a hesitation, I know, okay, it's time to say no. So, <laughs> but, uh, you know, of course, we as that age, too, we knew exactly which one to go to. So, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they, I mean, my husband is definitely he's probably more of the I mean, he's very strict. I'm strict, too. I mean, but he's a little bit more strict and, um, he says, I'm the one that always gives in, but I, I, I don't, I don't agree. You know what? We're I, just going to agree to disagree on that, Paul. Uh, I'll be the first to admit I'm the easy touch. Yeah. I'm the easy <laughs> touch. So I'll, I'll, I'll admit that. So, uh, of course I'm like, I, I used to tell my wife, Hey, this, you know, cause she'd be talking to me about something that the boys were doing or one boy was doing. I said, hon, this is just a phase, you know, if, if we, ignore it it'll go away if we really confront them on it it's going to be a battle and the first couple times she confronted and then afterwards she goes you know paul you actually know what you're talking about so that that was sort of good but, uh, <laughs> but uh, now you know speaking of the fact that early on you were talking about how um you know ag broadcasting or things in general have really changed since your 10-year anniversary where do you think things will be at five years from now, maybe 10 years from now? How, how, do you have any idea 
how you think broadcasting, ag broadcasting is going to change? Yeah, I mean, you know, okay, I don't, I'll admit this on your podcast, but I really don't like to admit this. Um, my husband refuses to pay for television. Okay. <laughs> Paul, it's really bad job security, but he will not pay for television. So how do we get our television today? Well, an antenna. And yep. people are like, well, don't you stream? No, our internet's so poor. And that's why we don't have, we don't pay for television. Cause he's like, if we're paying $200 a month for internet, just internet, and it's not even good enough to support streaming, I'm not paying for TV too. I even asked for television for my birthday and he told me to get realistic with my ask. So apparently that's not on the docket right now. <laughs> um, but you know, it's, it's more than just me. And while we cut it out because we're paying $200 for internet, um, you know, and, and the rural broadband is a struggle that we have every day. There's a lot of reasons that people our age and older and younger are, are cutting the, cutting the cord yep. and that's not going to change. You know, I don't like to turn on the nightly news. I do not. I don't because I, the girls are at an age at six and seven where, yeah, they need to know reality about some things, but I really want to preserve their innocence. You know, when yep. they come home yep. and they're, you know, I remember in March they came home and they were like, mom, we're all going to die from COVID and they're in preschool. And I'm thinking, Okay. Yep. No, this is stuff, you know, it's just, I, I really try to protect their innocence right now yep. um, because, you know, there's so much negativity. And so we don't watch the local news. Now, do I read news all the time and digest news all the time? Absolutely. But it's not how my mom and dad have always done it. And that's going to continue to change. And so as an ad journalist and a broadcaster, we still have to figure out a way, even if you aren't an individual that's watching U.S. Farm Report on our 175 stations or RFD TV. How do we serve it up in a way, Paul, that you're going to be able to see it? And it may not be our 60 minute long program. It yeah. may be short, you know, short little snippets on Instagram, on TikTok, on the web. There's so many other ways. It's a challenge because, you know, there's you, people right now will consume. They want to consume as much as they can. Do we get tired of it sometimes? Yeah. And sometimes, you know, like policy, not a lot of people like to read about policy online, Paul, because I, right now I think some of them are just, you know, it's, it's, it's so much and they try to escape some of it. Yep. Whereas you have stuff like tax changes, like you wrote about this summer, and people couldn't get enough of it because they knew it could possibly impact their farming operation. Mm -hmm. So it's figuring out what readers, you know, really want, what type of information do they want to consume and getting it in a location that they're going to be able to consume it. It may not be video. It may not be written. It may be audio. You know, there's so many ways. But right now, you know, when I was, was in school, it was all about being a multimedia journalist. And how do you do that? Well, now you graduate and you better be a multimedia journalist. I didn't want yep. to write for the, the I hate writing. You know, that's what I, I felt like in college. I don't now. I love it. But I didn't I didn't like it. Um, now, it doesn't matter what you love or what you don't like doing. You have to be able to do it all. That's just the business. And I think that will continue to evolve. And right now, it's just happening at a, at a, at a very rapid pace. And, and this will probably get me in trouble. But uh, my goal with uh, talking about taxes, I want to try to make taxes sexy. You know, I got to try to make it sexy. And I'm failing at it, but I keep trying. So... Paul, you are, you are pretty popular on wet, on AgWeb, so I, I give yourself some credit. Um, but when I think of taxes, um, I run, okay? So our, at our house, at the Holsey household, uh, my husband, um, he does all the taxes. In fact, since this weekend, he was asking me some questions, and I'm like, I don't even want to have this conversation. Like, I just try to run away from it. You run toward it, okay? That's the difference between you and me, Paul. 
Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, but then I've been uh, dealing with taxes for 40 years now. So, exactly. uh, you know, and you've been dealing with ag journalism for 15 years. So, you know, it's, yep. it, it, it's what we're used to. So I, I, I was just curious, do you uh, remember having any, int- or what was your most interesting guest or your most interesting show, either Ag Day or U.S. Farm Report? I'm just uh, curious if there was something that really mm-hmm. stuck out with you that was pretty interesting. You know, under the Trump administration, I did. I, I I was able to go to the White House and interview quite a few of their their cabinet members. Um, and setting, you know, going to the White House and going in there and, uh, you know, just being in there interviewing all of these cabinet secretaries. Um, you know, that was pretty memorable for me. Not because you know it was it was that administration, but because I'd never been to the White House to get some of these interviews. And it was more than just, you know, the, the Secretary of Agriculture. It is a huge accomplishment. And every time that we interview uh, the USDA Secretary, you know, I'm extremely grateful. But we expanded out way beyond agriculture as well and really talked about issues that impact, um, you know, our rural audience. So I think that stood out just because um, it was pretty impressive to be able to to go there. I actually, so this this is a, a funny story, Paul. We were on our way to Farm Progress show one year in Iowa. Okay. So I, I don't know, I guess it would have been maybe 2018. And I get a call from the White House. And, you know, I get emails from the White House sometimes. And typically yeah. because maybe they don't like a story that I did. This happens under every administration. Okay. Yep. Yep. So equal opportunist right here. Okay. So I am traveling to Farm Progress show and I get a call and they're like, um, we need you to come to Washington. And I'm in the middle of Iowa heading to Farm Progress show on <laughs> I-80. And I'm like, that's not possible. I mean, I have my I have my Farm Progress show clothes, not my DC clothes, right? Yeah. And she's yep. like, you're you're really gonna want to uh, get on a plane and, and come here. And I'm like, I just don't know how that's possible. And I said, who's the interview? And they go, we can't tell you, but we can tell you you really want to be here. So I think it was when the I don't remember if what what was going on, what was the topic, if it was the trick. I'm not sure what it was. I figured it was, um, you know maybe the vice president or something like that. No, I found out the next day it was the president that I was, they were inviting me to come interview. They couldn't tell me who it was. And if I would have known, then I don't know if I would have, you know, what would you do to make that work? But I'm literally in the middle of Iowa and to get from Boone, Iowa to Washington, DC, when you don't have clothes and they actually wanted me to get on a plane like that minute, not really that easy to do. So that's the one that I wish I've not interviewed a sitting president. Um, And that's definitely at some point, you know, that would be definitely a highlight of, of your career just to sit down with a setting president and really talk about issues and opportunities and that, that are impacting farmers and ranchers. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, last week I was in Arizona and Jim Wiesmeyer was there. And I think in his career, I think he has interviewed almost every sitting president. So, uh, uh, and, and he's got a few years on both you and I, I think. Oh so. my God. Paul, <laughs> I love Jim Wiesmeyer. I tell yeah. people, Talking to Jim Wiesmeyer is like going to the hair salon, but usually more liquors involved, okay? That is <laughs> yeah. why I love Jim Wiesmeyer. You get all the scoop, and he knows so many people, but he will never reveal his sources. Like, he is he is just a wealth of knowledge that when you sit down hit with him, you better be ready to listen to some stories and learn a lot. Every time I, I see him, I just, I adore that man. Yep, yep, same here. Well, time right now we're going to go ahead and take a break for a sponsor message, and then we'll come back and continue the conversation. Get timely updates about taxation, accounting, succession planning, and other issues that are unique to farmers and agribusiness processors. 
Find out about major agribusiness events and how to comply with new laws that affect your business. Subscribe to Farm CPA at blogs.claconnect.com forward slash agribusiness and experience the CLA promise. blogs.claconnect.com forward slash agribusiness. Welcome back, everyone, to the Farm CPA podcast presented by Top Producer. This is Paul Neefer, your host, and we're going to rejoin our conversation with Tyne Morgan. Uh, so, Tyne, you already filled this in a little bit uh, already, but what does a typical week look like for you? That's a good question. That's a really good question. No, every week's different. I think that's why um, I couldn't do an eight to five office job where you just, you know, this is when you take a lunch. I mean, I don't take lunches, you know, you just eat when you can. Uh, but it depends. I mean, if I'm if I'm not traveling and I'm in the office, um, I'm working on, you know, figuring, OK, what am I going to cover for Farm Journal Report? That's really that long form piece that we do and take a deep dive into some of the issues. So I'm doing that. I feature stories to write, do interviews, um, write a lot for Ag Web. So looking at the latest news, um, I just started helping out with Farm Journal Studios. So it's creating like these this compelling custom content. Uh, and these are these longer form pieces. So I'm working on that. I mean, just for example, let's let's say today. Got up super early uh, because I had to come into the office today and it's about an hour drive. So I got up super early to log uh, one of the top producer of the year finalists and write that piece. Um, got the girls ready for school, got them out the door, headed into the office. I had an interview with a Texas grower who's afraid he's going to lose his wheat crop if they don't get any moisture this week and then they have the cold temperatures, they will. Then I interviewed a guy who just spoke in Ukraine at a no-till conference. He was in Ukraine talking mm. to farmers and figuring out what the sentiment is and what the temperature is in Ukraine right now, which um, it's it's not apparently there. It's not as bad as what we think it is. So it's just yeah. business as usual, like nothing's changed and they're confident uh, that that uh, Russia is, is, is not going to invade. So I, I talked that I had a couple meetings going over some plans, had to go in and, and, and record Ag Day real quick. Um, had a couple other interviews, and then I, I, I've got to get um, writing a, another package by the end of the day, uh, and then I'll make the make the trek home. So it just depends on any given day. Um, if I could never sit in a meeting throughout the day, I would. That's not reality. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I, it isn't. That's that's the worst part of the day. But talking to farmers, and you know, the one farmer was in Texas, the other farmer was in uh, northern northern Iowa, almost Wisconsin. So you know, there's you, you talk to a wide variety of people, and now with Zoom. We can do that. You know, before uh, covering a national show, we'd have to figure out a way to travel there. Well, with Zoom, while it may not be the best and I may not be there right there with them. I mean, Todd, the, the, the Texas farmer was able to do the interview from the cab of his combine because he's doing some um, some irrigation work and, and doing some work in his in his farm fields. And it's so dry. He's never been able to do things this early before he gets planting in two weeks, by the way, can you believe planting's two weeks away for him? Yeah, I know. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's just any issue in ag. It's not like I have a specific beat. I'm not just cattle, not just row crops, not just business. Not, I mean, not just policy. It's anything and everything, which sometimes, you know, you have to step back and realize, okay, you cannot cover everything, but Paul, I sure do try. Well, and that's actually doing it via zoom. It's probably opened it up where, let's say on your market segments that you have, which, you know, historically yeah, I, when I watch U.S. Farm Report, you know, I, I won't say it used to be the same old people, but it was those people that could come down from Chicago yep. and so on. Yep. 
But I would think right now you're able to broaden that spectrum and bring in, you know, analysts from all over the country or even all over the world. Yeah, geography is no longer a limitation. And I had a had a uh, an analyst say, you know, Ty, do you ever think that I'll be in the studio again? Well, our offices aren't open, so one right now, and two, I said, I don't think I can ever ask you to buy a plane ticket again when we can, and you know, and 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 you know, a day a day and a half of travel sometimes. I'm never going to ask you to do that again when we can accomplish the same conversation via Zoom. And we use yeah. a different we use a, a different system for the for the marketing roundtables. But Paul, it just no longer does it have to. I mean, it, it was a big undertaking, especially when we moved to Kansas City. And I still use some of the marketing analysts. You know, they'd have to fly down, figure out a hotel, yeah. try to get it in a day if they could. I mean, it was just a logistical nightmare sometimes for them. And now it's a simple link. Get on. Boom. Done in 30 minutes. And, you, and you're gone. You're done. Well, and the other thing, too, because, you know, I've been at the the South Bend uh headquarters, if you want to call it that, several times taping. And, you know, the camera's on both you and I, and then you're splicing it. Well, you can do the same thing with Zoom. I mean, there really isn't, uh, you know, that much difference by the time it actually ends up uh, going to, uh, to television. Exactly. And it's so nice. I just, I, even when things do open back up here at the office, I, Paul, I mean, if, if, if you're here, like if you're in town and you're in town for an event and you want to stop by the studio, great. Cause you know, like I said, I love in person. But now for some of these marketing analysts that are so busy with customers and clients to be able to just hop on and 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 do that via, you know, via a, a remote service like a Zoom or a StreamYard, it just helps with time so yeah. much. Not yeah. as big. Yeah, that's the positive about Team or Zooms or whatever you want to call it. The negative is. Uh, it is nice once in a while or several times to have that face to face, especially uh, to me with when I'm meeting with farmers, I'd rather do it face to face than oh, th- yeah. than doing it via uh, Zoom or Teams. Well, Paul, and I've talked to some ag lenders who say, listen, you know, you know there's we've had some, heard some conversations of some of these banks are just saying, well, just, you know, you don't go and t- see farmers in person. You can do this over Zoom. And I'm thinking, no, you can't. There's some like marketing analysts. Not a big deal. It's not like, you know what I mean? Like we're having these conversations. Um, they're able to do it just fine. But some yeah. of these, I mean, I think what we learned during the pandemic is some people expected the industry to change quicker than it did because they thought, oh, well, you know, you won't have to go on the farm or anymore for, you know, to talk to these farmers. No, I'm in the middle of rural America. A handshake still trumps everything. Yep. And face-to-face yep. interaction still matters. And that's not going to change, Paul. And I think that's why I, what I love about ag is yeah. that face-to-face interaction, a handshake, still is a symbol of of respect and that will not change yeah although i think time the last time we had face-to-face conversation was at the farm journal field day at ben Rinchy's farm in iowa during the middle of the pandemic and you sort of chewed me out for being positive at that point in time you know what paul i will chew you out for anything so um, <laughs> was i wrong for you being positive Absolutely. You were talking about commodity prices going up and the tune changing. And here we were in the middle of the pandemic. And just a couple of weeks before, like I said, we were talking about $2 corn. Here comes Paul with his glass half full. And I'm like, my gosh, what did he drink before he came here today? (laughs) Well, you're probably saying, well, we know that Washington state was the second state to have legalized marijuana. You were thinking, okay, Paul must have been consuming some of that. But uh, I didn't didn't want to bring that up because I didn't want to accuse (laughs) you as such, but I may have thought it. Yep. Well, uh, you'd be safe. That that wouldn't have been that wouldn't have been me. So, uh, but uh, but uh, now in the past, uh, I know actually just right after that, a couple months after that, I actually drove from 
Phoenix, Arizona, to Amarillo, Texas, and then from Amarillo, Texas, to Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and then Eau Claire, Wisconsin, to Washington State, and that took me three days. So to you me, that's probably fly? the longest longest driving road trip I've done in quite a while. I'm just curious, what's what's been one of your longest road trips or most interesting road trip? Well, it was during the pandemic, and we couldn't fly for safety reasons. Um, and so to College Roadshow, um, for example, Lubbock, Texas, and I had to ha- go on a shoot on the way down. So it was about 12 hours one way. Not a big deal. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with driving. If it's an eight-hour trip, no biggie. Like I would, you know, if I'm not going to get stuck in an airport, that's fine. I'll do it. Well, I did. And then that next day, I just got done recording everything. And James called and said, hey, Kimberl's not feeling well. Um, and she had some type of bug and I just felt like something wasn't right. So I got done. I shot, we started at like 6am because we were trying to get right when the sun was coming up for lighting reasons and we shot everything. And then I got on the road at about 5.30 PM from Lubbock, Texas, drove as far as I could, which was Wichita, slept for about two hours, got back on the road to drive home. Um, and thankfully I did because Kimberl was super sick. But that was the longest trip. And I was just thinking that was not safe. That wasn't safe at all. But I had to get home and I couldn't fly. Yep. And so you just you do what you got to do, Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess luckily for me, if you want to use that term, I was able to fly even starting probably May or June of 2020. I, I was able oh. to fly fairly, fairly, fairly often. I mean, I think I've been on 150 airplane flights since uh, the pandemic hit. And the thing is, I got COVID from my kids or my grandchild. Right, I didn't get it from being plane. in the airport or on a plane or, or anything yeah. else. So, uh, uh, but, uh, well, we're getting close to the, the end of the conversation. And I always like to uh, end with a couple key questions. And the first question is, uh, what keeps you up at night? Is there something that you worry about or keeps you up that uh, uh, the, each night or w- one of these nights once in a while? Paul, I'm always thinking about, okay, is there some, is there something coming? Is there something on the horizon that's going to severely impact farmers or ranchers that I'm just not seeing? And honestly, I mean, it doesn't matter. I I think a lot when I drive, I don't know how you are, but I mean, I'm on the phone. Like when I, when I head home tonight, I'll be on the phone the entire time because that's just what I do. Like I had come up with ideas and then I call people and just, you know, have check in with farmers just, just to figure out what's on their minds. And I think that's, I mean, I just, I can't turn that off no matter how hard I try. Like on the weekends, you know, some people say, well, I just shut my device off and I do try to stay off of social media, but it doesn't mean my brain doesn't stop. Right. And I'm just always thinking, okay, what am I not seeing? Is there something coming that's going to impact farmers or ranchers, you know, that I really need to be digging into. And so I'm always thinking about that. And sometimes I will wake up in the middle of the night and I cannot shut that off and I will not go back to sleep. So I think, I mean, I know that's pretty vague, Paul, but that's what I'm always thinking about. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, you know, even during tax season when things can get sort of stressful, I've, I've been pretty well able to go home and turn my brain off. You know, it's, it's, uh, of course maybe that, that has to do with the fact that maybe I'm getting up at 3 a.m. And by the time I get home, I'm ready to go to bed anyway. Yeah. But uh, I that's, uh, I'm, I'm usually able to just turn it off. And then, and then I'm one of those instant on, I don't need the coffee. I don't need Anything oh, else, you know, as soon yeah. as that, as uh, soon as my eyeballs come awake, yep. I'm ready to go. Now, so. I do like coffee. Don't get me wrong, but I'm the same. I, it's not like I need the coffee to thrive. Well, actually, you know what? Mike and everyone on the production team will probably tell you that's um, not correct because I will. <laughs> I do not like hotel coffee. You call me a snob. I don't care. Call, call me what you want. 
but I will not do hotel coffee. And they just get mad at me because we'll be on a shoot. And I'm like, I got to go find coffee. And they're like, if we just left a hotel with coffee and then I argue with them, no, I I can't handle that coffee. So (laughs) I guess I need coffee, but it's not to be able to think. I just, you know, some people turn hangry, which I do get hangry. If I don't have coffee, I just, I just, I'm not a pleasant person, Paul. I'm not. Yeah. 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 No. Well, that's, uh, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Everybody needs their, uh, Needs something that uh, that they rely on, so that's okay. <laughs> but, uh, and then uh, my last question is always, what is your definition of success in farming? You see a lot of farmers, talk to a lot of farmers. Uh, I'm just curious if there's a theme that you see as far as those successful farmers. You know, success not in terms of, of, of financial, um, but, you know, I have met some of the most amazing farmers out there during interviews and Paul, sometimes they may farm an acre or sometimes they may farm 50,000 acres. It does not matter how big, how small, what you grow, what you raise. It does not matter. I have met some of the best people in farming. And James asked me one time, he said, you know, what do you think you're going to do if you don't do farm report anymore? Like, what would you do? What would you do next? And I don't have an answer. I don't know. But I can tell you, Paul, no matter what, I, I will not get out of agriculture. And even the girls, um, the other day, we, we, we ran into a farmer and we were somewhere and I saw he had a, a cotton gin on his hat, you know, and I'm like, OK, so do you farm cotton? And we got to talking and stuff. And he was like, well, I'm in agriculture, you know, and he goes on and the girls were trying to tell me something. I'm like, what do they want to tell me? Well, come to find out afterwards, I said, mom, mom, he said that he's in agriculture. That's what you do. And I realized girls, the girls don't even know I'm on TV. Well, one, because we don't have cable. But two, you know, we just, they don't know I'm on, in, on TV. They just know that I'm in, in agriculture. And that's how I prefer it. Because no matter what happens in life, I, I'll never leave agriculture, you know. And so I think that's just in, in success. It does not, to me, success does not have to deal financially. I don't know yeah. what that threshold would, would be. To me, success is how you, how you treat other other people, how you treat other farmers, how you treat some of us, you know, a, a journalist when, when we come on the farm. And I've just met some of the best, literally salt of the earth people in farming that I say are successful just because of how they how they treat treat others in their community. And those are the co- types of conversations I'll, I'll never forget, Paul. Yeah, I, 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 I tend to it just seems like in ag, the most uh, some of the most successful farmers are also some of the most humble farmers, down right. to earth. Uh, you know, you just wouldn't know that they're that successful by just looking at how they act, which is no. really refreshing. Exactly, it is refreshing, and it's a reminder that at the end of the day, it is all about how you how you treat others. And so, um, you know, at one one time, I had uh, somebody say, "Well, don't you don't you know don't you know who I am? We farm, you know, so many thousands of acres." And I'm thinking in my mind. I don't care who you are or what you farm or, you know, at the end of the day, that doesn't matter to me. It doesn't impress me. Uh, you know, it's, it's who you are as a, as a person. And as you know, we come across a lot more of those good salt of the earth, just great people than we do the others that leave a, a bad taste in your mouth. Now, all the, are they yeah. out there? Sure. Every yep. industry has that, yep. but they're few and far between. Yeah, totally agree. Well, I think, uh, uh, the next time I might see you is likely at uh, Top Producer, which will be coming up. That uh, uh, how did they start Top Producer on Valentine's Day? You know, I, I, I told my wife her Valentine's gift is that uh, I'm going to be gone and she gets to stay at home. So I, I'm not well, sure. James always told me he said I love National Farm Machinery Show, and I'm like, 
why you've never been? He goes, because it's always on Valentine's Day and I never have to get you a present. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> so now it's, you know, National Farm Machinery shows a couple of days later this time and it's, yeah. and it's top producer. I don't know, but all I know is I'll bring your dancing shoes. Okay. Yeah. 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 No, bring it's, your uh, dancing shoes because Nashville, yeah. it'll be, it'll be fun. Well, uh, my wife and I took line dancing lessons oh, 20 years ago, and she finally ditched me and found somebody that could dance a whole lot better than I could. So, <laughs> yeah, so which was probably good because, you know, that wasn't necessarily the most enjoyable thing for me. But I, I at least uh, I did it for like six weeks in a row. So, uh, you know, I was I was pretty much a trooper there. You so. guys are big time. I'm trying to think of even around us. We live in such a small town. 800 people and then the nearest town's like 4,000, which is pretty, you know, big compared to 800. But yeah. I'm like, who would even teach those lessons? Yeah, no, there was, uh, there was probably 15 couples at this. It was at a oh park and rec God. type thing. Yeah. And, uh, and, and some of them had their, like it? well, I would say some of them were like me that probably, oh, we're just putting it up with it because right. our wife really wants to go. And <laughs> and then others were really getting into it, which wasn't me. So, but. Yeah, no, if, if, if there was somebody that was getting into it, I'd, ha I'd have questions anyway. Yeah, exactly. Well, again, <laughs> Ty, and thank you very much for uh, taking uh, time out of your busy, busy schedule to do the podcast with me. And, uh, and I look forward to seeing you at Top Producer. Thanks, Paul. This is the least I can do. You're always so good about answering my questions or doing interviews for us when we're trying to do coverage. So thank you. Uh, and I appreciate the invitation. Okay. Again, this is the Farm CPA podcast presented by Top Producer. I'm Paul Neefer, your host, signing off. <laughs>